I can barely hear you. Oh, boy. Now can you hear me? Well, I'll be yelling and screaming as I usually do. I can hear you. Let's get rolling. Okay. Fuck it, be quiet. Okay. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. And now, giving you access to the locker rooms and the minds of the independent scene, here are the curtain jerkers of pro wrestling podcasting. Mike Crockett. Actually, I prefer to be called Maestro. And the kingpin, Brian Malonis. He's the win, and nobody beats him. This is the wrestling podcast about nothing on the New Age Insiders Network. Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing on the NAI Network, episode 62, presented by BDARadio.com. There are so many pro wrestling podcasts out there covering every facet of the business. So we went to BDA Radio and said we had a different idea for a podcast. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. They said, what's your wrestling podcast about? We said nothing. And thankfully they said, we think you may have something here. So here we are. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me as always is a veteran of the New England Independent Mat Wars, the irresistible force, the immovable object, the biggest mofo on the show, the kingpin, <laughs> Brian Malonis. What's up, Mike? How do you do, sir? I'm tired. You're tired. It's been a big weekend for the Kingpin. It has been. You were indeed, I think, the biggest mofo on the Ring of Honor show this past Saturday night. I think I think that goes without question. And of course, we're referencing there uh, the mofo Steve Bradley, who we did two podcasts about, episode 60, episode 61, getting a lot of great feedback on that. I really hope everyone goes back and takes a listen to us uh, reminisce about the career of ex-WWE developmental talent Steve Bradley. He is so much more than a WWE developmental talent, you know, with what he did here in New England. So I really hope everyone goes back and takes a listen to our conversation with Brian Fury and Alex Arion. Again, thanks to them for what they brought to the table last week and the week prior uh, as in regards to steve bradley but back to the matter at hand brian this past saturday night i guess we should give a spoiler alert we get right into the spoilers brian of course the whole thing started with an addiction spoilers what i'm getting i'm gonna read down the spoilers here so everyone knows no 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 no. we don't do spoilers on this show mike what do you wait? What are we gonna have? Let everyone know what happened. <laughs> no, they're gonna have to watch Ring of Honor television to know what happened. Well, okay, we'll get straight to your stuff then. Okay, the Kingpin came out to do <laughs> battle with the one, the only. You're not gonna stop me. No, you can say who <laughs> I wrestled. You just can't say the result. Oh, okay. It was the battle of the big men. Yes. Doctor Heresy was, uh, I'm sure, somewhere just beaming from ear to ear. <laughs> yourself the kingpin brian malonis against the beer city bruiser yes if you want to know what happened in that match you'll have to watch uh roh television i believe i believe that's going to be the week of july the 22nd wow okay so just about a month from now yeah so uh yeah we will definitely remind people as that uh day grows closer and hopefully maybe you'll be on nesson uh, when, yeah. when the episode yeah, we'll airs. We'll see. We'll see. It'll be fucking Charlie Moore. <laughs> <laughs> that fish and fool, Charlie Moore. Uh, the, the, <laughs> one of the worst shows on television. I'd, I'd rather watch Paint Dry than watch Charlie Moore. Yeah, fishing shows. When, when your wrestling gets preempted by fishing shows, 
I don't know. Your priority. I'm, I'm not opposed order. to fishing shows, though. Okay. This guy is a damn fool. Just, just <laughs> a moron. We, we not fi- funny at all. Just complete jock sniffer. <laughs> just uh, the worst. The absolute worst. That show is garbage. I'm so- convinced he has to have a relative at at Nesson that keeps him on the air. Yes, uh, that's that could very well be true. We'll have to look into that. Anyone out there knows the familial history of one Charlie Moore from Charlie Moore Outdoors. Please let us know here at the WPAN on Twitter. Let Charlie Moore know he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness, Kingpin. Uh, well, you didn't suck this weekend, my friend. No. You did You did very well. And um, what did you get out of this whole weekend uh, here, Brian? Uh, you were there on Friday night and for the pay-per-view Best in the World, which you're going to talk about here on the podcast. And Saturday night, you were there for the international TV tapings, as we've been talking about. What kind of did you take away from this weekend? Well, I mean, Friday night, I, I just got to watch a really damn good wrestling pay-per-view and just be there live and in person. Uh, what did you think, Mike, being there live and in person? On Saturday? No, no, Friday night. Best in the world. I opted to be elsewhere on Friday night. What I thought, Brian, was <laughs> you would bring the live perspective to this podcast, and I would bring the uh, you know the pay-per-view presentation version of Is that the, what you uh, thought? Yes. Yeah, is that, is that what you're thinking? That's exactly what went into my mind when I decided yeah. not to go on Friday night. Yeah, I better, I better get my boots on. It's getting deep in here. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I didn't make it there on Friday. Let's just, let's just say I, I'm pretty sure your eyes are brown, Mike. I don't like this, uh, <laughs> the way this is going, Brian. I, of course, I wasn't there Friday, but I did make it on Saturday, yes. And what did I get out of this weekend, Kingpin? I got to talk to a bunch of people who kind of helped make this podcast what it is. I was very thankful to be able to converse with guys like my nemesis, Steven. I saw, I saw you guys uh, canoodling up there in the, uh, <laughs> in the stands. In the cheap seats, yeah. <laughs> and me and Steven were hanging out for a bit. His dad there also, uh, a fan of the podcast. Appreciate uh, being able to speak with him. And yes, Brian, it did happen. My best friend... John Morris, we had a, a tearful, uh, I was going to say reunion, but no, we've never met before, so it's a tearful union <laughs> between myself and Mr. John Morris. We, we got a photo that was uh, retweeted. It is up now on Twitter. Uh, so yes, John Morris, and uh, he was everything I thought he'd be, Brian. And, and you know, the, the people really want to know, did you guys tomahawk chop at uh, one Todd Sinclair? It didn't happen, no. Wow. It really, uh, John, John, I, 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 I'm sorry, John. <laughs> it didn't happen. I did, though, uh, I did a tribute to our friend Mucko and made sure to yell at Fat Pants, you stink, <laughs> multiple times. I, I will say that was, you know, like the one, the one thing missing from, uh, from this weekend was, uh, was Muck being around and, uh, not to put a damper on this, but, you know, he was there the last time Ring of Honor was there. He was obviously a big fan. Uh, and it would have been pretty cool to uh, have him there and and be part of that. And uh, he's been such a big part of my wrestling journey. And, you know, so definitely was the one, I think, the one piece missing this weekend. Yeah. And uh, I definitely tried to uh, keep his memory alive by uh, burying Todd Sinclair in the <laughs> Distributing <ring>. stink noses. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, also, of course, a great contributor to the podcast, Randall. 
I uh, got to sit and speak with him for a couple minutes. David Ratty, I saw him as well. Uh, I, I spoke to Chip. Chip came out and uh, hung out, our uh, compatriot from uh, the Check in the Boots podcast, who we mention right. often here. Let's talk to Chip. And, of course, Jason was there as well of the New Age Insiders. Got to uh, talk with him. He gave his thoughts on the uh, great pay-per-view on Friday night, and he was there taking in the TV tapings on Saturday. Good to see Jason. And I also saw Lemonhead, Brian. I heard, I heard Lemonhead was there. <laughs> yes, uh, it was from way back in the days of the CTC, Lemonhead. And uh, speaking of the CTC, how about Joe Bedard? I saw him as well. Joe Bedard also there, yes. As a former buffet brother. Actually, he never was a buffet brother, but he was a proposed <laughs> buffet brother. Yes. Right? Yes. Uh, yeah, guys, uh, when you talk about Lemonhead and Joe Bedard, um, you know, two guys not in wrestling any longer, but uh, two guys that were there f- for day one of, of my training. So, you know, pretty cool. Yes, it's great to see them. And, of course, sitting in the front row, the one and only Playboy. <laughs> Taking in all the sights and sounds. Well, the Playboy used to be a wrestler, and now he pays for meet and greets. <laughs> 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 no, nah, the Playboy loves it, and he had a good time. And uh, also, the uh, the misses and the little one got to sit front row too, so that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. And uh, yeah, so thanks to everyone I got to uh, sit and speak with and stuff like that, and take pictures. Uh, you know, if I missed you, I'm sorry. I I, I didn't mean to, but uh, hopefully we can do this again, and hopefully uh, next time. Ring of Honor's in the area. You will be as well, Brian. You feel good about this? Yeah, I, I feel great about it. I think, uh, you know, uh, this weekend I did I did everything in my power and, and uh, put my best foot forward. And, you know, you never know what the future the future could bring, Mike. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty confident that uh, that won't be the last time you see me in a Ring of Honor ring. That's excellent. Excellent to hear. And when I walked in, Brian, to the Lowell Memorial Auditorium, on Saturday night, I was handed a DVD. It's the brand new Young Bucks DVD entitled Super Kick Party Part 2. Wow. And we're going to give this thing away, Brian. I want to send it out out there to the world. All right. I got this for free, and I don't want to keep it. I want to give it to somebody out there listening right now to the wrestling podcast about nothing. And we will go into that a little later how you can earn this uh, Super Kick Party Part 2 DVD, kind of a best of of the Young Bucks. You got on there AJ Styles, Gallows and Anderson are on here, War Machine, The Kingdom with Matt Taven, and uh, Mike Bennett Canellis now, I we, should say. We, we could probably give away multiple because I'm pretty sure every member of my family <laughs> who went to the show also has a copy. <laughs> yeah, we're probably looking for someone to, uh, to grab this that is not in the uh, Massachusetts area who is not at the TV tapings at the Lowell Memorial Auditorium on Saturday night. Yeah, if you if you already have this, you know, don't enter. <laughs> yes, so we'll talk about that a little later on, uh, how you can get this Superkick Party Part 2 Young Bucks DVD from Ring of Honor from us here at the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. And Brian, today on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing on the NAI Network, we've got your promo about nothing and a whole lot more. But now let's get into Best in the World 2017, the pay-per-view offering from Ring of Honor Wrestling. It was Friday night, Lowell, Massachusetts, uh, and you were there live. 
I was there watching. Well, I wasn't there. I was watching the pay-per-view playback this morning, actually. And let me talk first about the commentary team. Ian Riccoboni and BJ Whitmer. You can tell that they're not normally together all the time. They, they've they kind of had doing rotating color commentators. And so BJ Whitmer doesn't have a ton of experience doing commentary. Ian Riccoboni is kind of just settling into the lead commentary role. So, I mean, they're not off the charts, but they did very well, I thought. And I guess we, we've talked about before the lighting and the sound. The lighting has been upgraded. They have a, a tremendous like uh, lighting truss that you know surrounds the ring. When they first got onto a traditional pay-per-view, I remember you know there were dead spots in terms of lighting. You know, if you were outside the ring, they, you'd be in the dark half the time. But the lighting is so much improved from the early days of pay-per-view for Ring of Honor. And the sound too. You you hear the crowd before the crowd felt like they're a million miles away. It was hard to hear those huge pops, but now the the sound has been upgraded as well, and it sounds a hell of a lot better. So Ring of Honor is really up their game in terms of presentation uh, in 2017. Would you say that as well, Brian? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I may be a little biased when we're talking about Ring yes. of Honor. Full 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 disclosure, but uh, no, I think I think this is something. Um Ring of Honor, I think, is really on the upswing here, man. Where where you kind of talk about some of the stuff with Impact and what's always going on with them. I think pretty quietly, even though they've lost some talent, I think all signs are pointing up for for Ring of Honor in, in general, as we'll get into later. Uh, who the champion is there, and uh, the you know the top of their cards, and what they're looking like, and just the great improvements in their overall product. Uh, just. Big steps forward, big steps forward, and, and eventually it will, you know, it will lead to bigger things. Yeah, I mean, they've definitely taken a hit. Undeniably, they've taken a hit when it comes to the roster, a lot of people moving on, but that opens up plenty of opportunities, and thankfully, the ROH roster is deep, and thankfully, the roster in independent organizations around the country is deep as well, so people can get brought in and moved up the card. You know, guys like you, Brian, who are uh, starting to make a splash in the Ring of Honor, I, I mean, the fact that some of these people have moved on to other opportunities, that leaves open positions for guys like you to come in and and prosper yeah i mean the thing is mike with their roster wise like i think i think ring of honor is always gonna lose guys when they're ready to take that next that next step in their careers i mean unless i mean unless something really were to take off i mean they just can't compete financially with wwe and that's not a knock on anybody it just i don't know if there's a company in the world that can that can truly compete financially with wwe ultimately if wwe wants something they can just outbid everybody for it and take care of it that way um, right but they can they can be the firm established unquestioned number two in the you know in the industry and i think there are worse things in the world than being the place that develops the next great superstars in professional wrestling and uh, you know, I have to concur there. The there's always been turnover when it comes to Ring of Honor. You know, your punks, your Tyler Blacks, your Brian Danielsons. There's always going to be. They're going to always going to want to pluck those top guys. And they've always Ring of Honor has always had guys waiting on the underneath, waiting to come up to the top. And that's just kind of how things work these days. And that's not a knock on anybody. That's not a knock on Ring of Honor. That's 
that's actually a compliment to Ring of Honor to be able to you know replenish their roster when things like this happen and, and guys move on. And you know this pay per view is evident of the fact that Ring of Honor is still prospering, still doing very well despite some guys uh, moving on to other opportunities. Like uh, opening match, the Kingdom. Of course, it was originally Matt Taven and, and Mike Bennett. Mike Canellis now in uh, SmackDown Live. He has, of course, moved on to WWE. But the kingdom is now Matt Taven and Vinny Marcellia and TK O'Ryan. So that's opportunities for those guys, local New England guys, and good for them. And it's Matt Taven and Vinny Marcellia in the opening match of this pay-per-view against Team CMLL, which is El Terrible and Ultimo Guerrero. How do you like oh, that? All right. Were you jumping up and down in your living room raising the roof, Mike, when Ultimo Guerrero came out? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I'm, I'm going to get my uh, my hair cut in a certain fashion. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's like, Ultimo Guerrero like hasn't changed since the mid '90s. He's still got the mullet, and he's still raising the roof. He's like he, he's the last person racing that roof but the crowd all got with it <laughs> they, they certainly did yeah he's bringing it back he's bringing it back uh and this tag team match was competed under lucha rules meaning if you roll to the floor the other guy can just come in and it's, it's like same thing as a legal tag matt Taven came on a, on a throne brian i know brian fury was probably very excited to see this <laughs> yes and there are a couple other new england stars uh with matt Taven on that throne Yes, people you might know yes. uh, kind of well. The Sea Stars, right? Team Sea Stars? That's them. And they were with the kingdom. And uh, yeah, it looks like they've got a little something going on in Ring of Honor. I guess maybe you can look for that on TV coming up. But uh, Matt Taven, of course, on his throne. And then Vinnie Marcellia was on a uh, gurney. Not on a gurney. He was on like a uh, two-wheeler uh, being wheeled out there as a maniac. And uh, Tiki Orion, of course, still injured, still walking with the one crutch. Down to ringside, they were former six-man tag team champions. Now they're competing in the tag team division with TK on the outside. The big spot was a reverse superplex. So a superplex, basically, you know, when they land, the guy on the ropes has his uh, back to the ring. So he is suplexed onto his uh, stomach. But then Vinny Marcellia comes off the other ropes with a uh, swanton bomb, or as Ian calls it, Red Rum! Red Rum! That's 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 what he yelled. Uh, so Taven, I guess they go for their finish, which is called the Rockstar Supernova. So Taven has him in a powerbomb position by the ropes. Terribly goes to pull Taven out of the ring. Vinny grabs Taven's arms to kind of hold him. And then uh, Guerrero in the ring pulls Vinny down in his schoolboy one, two, three for the quick flash pin. And Team CMLL wins this opening match here at Best in the World 2017. Uh, I mean, a solid match. Uh, they didn't have a ton of time. They... Uh, you know, they did what they had to do. They they were, you know, in the first position on the card and like I said, they did what they had to do in the uh in the opener. Yeah, I thought I thought it was I thought it was I thought it was a good match. Lots of action, you know, lucha style, lucha rules, you know, that's what the match was contested under and uh, I think you're right, Mike. It was a great opener uh, and, a, and a perfect uh, opener for that pay-per-view and that crowd. The crowd was I will say very hot all night for for that show. Yeah, it was, it was a really good crowd, too. I think it might be bigger than the last time they were there at the uh, Lowell Auditorium. From there, Brian, it was a strap match. The Bullet Club's Hangman Page versus the Heavy Metal Rebel, Frankie Kazarian, 
Todd Sinclair, Fat Pants, our friend, listener of the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. You're a referee, the ROH's senior referee, in fact. This strap match was less of a like an Indian strap match. It was more of a country whipping match where they actually had straps. <laughs> They're basically attached to their wrist tape, and they were you know, they came out with the straps in their hands, and it was just basically contested under regular rules, kind of no DQ, and you could just whip the guy with your strap, and that was kind of how the match went. Yeah, it was brutal. It was really a brutal match. A lot of uh, hard hits to the back with the, the strap. What, one of the really early spots that uh, caught my attention, Frankie Kazarian kind of leaps over the top rope. He lands on Adam Page's shoulders and you know whips him around with the Hurricane Rana, which was like kind of unexpected for Frankie Kazarian to like early, especially in a strap match. It was kind of unexpected, but it was a really cool looking spot. And as he struggles to get back in the ring, Page kind of pulls Frankie by the strap that he's you know that he has in his hand into the ropes and then pulls him out and kind of bangs him around the barricades so you know Paige obviously has the advantage at that point over Kazarian what about the suplex Brian on the outside where uh Kazarian picked up Adam Page and vertical suplex onto the stairs the stairs on the stage. Yeah, not, not something I would uh, be a fan of uh, of doing, Mike, certainly. <laughs> yeah, uh, the stairs kind of bowed a little bit in the middle. That was uh, no fun, I'm sure, for the hangman. Let me see. At one point, Paige takes off Frankie's strap and just kind of tosses in the crowd. So Frank Kazarian without his strap. So a uh, further advantage for the hangman. Then hangman gets out the noose and ties up Frankie Kazarian's hands and kind of starts lighting him up with the strap. Bing, bang, boom. Then Paige, Adam Page, reaches under the apron and grabs a new strap, Brian. <laughs> Can you describe this strap? Well, it. It had nails through it. <laughs> yes, it did. Various kind of tacks and nails and staples and who knows what else. But uh, they tease using that for a little while. Page hits his right of passage, it's called. He kind of has him up in an Alabama slam position, like he's going to Alabama slam him, but then just falls on his ass. So the guy's you know head obviously hits the canvas behind him. So once Page hits that, he grabs that heavy metal strap, I'll call it, and nails Frankie with it. Frankie gets it, hits him back. So then at that point, Kazarian hangs Page over the ropes uh, with that strap, and Hangman submits. So Frankie Kazarian gets the win in the strap match by submission over the Bullet Club's Hangman Page. Uh, your overall thoughts on this match? I know there was some uh, some blood loss, not a lot of blood loss, but some uh, blood on the back of each of the participants here. A pretty brutal match. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly the way I was going to describe it. Brutal. It was... Uh, but it was supposed to be. This was a blood feud between these two. This was a, a grudge match, and it was a culmination of their story. So I, I, I thought it was perfect. I thought it was great. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of things like you know, like nails through a strap. But I mean, how many times did they whip each other in the face too? I mean, it was just yes, brutal stuff. Brutal stuff. Uh, okay, we'll move on here to the losing team must disband. An eight-man tag team match. Featuring the Rebellion, which is Caprice Coleman, Rhett Titus, Kenny King, and Shane Taylor against uh, Search and Destroy. But I thought it was Seek and Destroy, Brian. Uh, you know, if you're from these parts, it's Seek and Destroy, right? <laughs> yeah, the Annihilators. 
<laughs> a popular tag team. Not no, not really popular. popular. <laughs> a tag team. Let's just put it that way. From New England, <laughs> but uh, it is Search and Destroy for Ring of Honor, which is the Motor City Machine Guns of Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin, plus Jonathan Gresham and Jay White. So those are the two four-person tag teams. The losing team must disband Paul Turner, your referee, and of course, all eight men start hard on the floor. The babyfaces kind of get the advantage. At one point, Gresham is pulled out of the ring, and the Rebellion works him over. Jay White with the save, but then Shane Taylor kind of double clotheslines both of them from the floor. He's kind of the enforcer of this team, Brian. Would you say that? Shane Taylor? Yeah, I, I would say so. He looks great, by the way. I, I was talking to him this weekend. He's lost 87 pounds. Really? They only said 60 on the pay-per-view, so they shortchanged him. <laughs> they, they did shortchange him. He, look, he looks fantastic. That's great. That's great. Yeah, Shane Taylor, of course, uh, was a former tag team partner of Keith Lee, who's now with Evolve. So Shane Taylor on his own here. Well, not actually on his own. He's part of the Rebellion, uh, at least for the next few minutes here. But um, (laughs) Shane Taylor, yeah, doing very well for himself now with Ring of Honor. And after that double clothesline, Gresham uh, gets worked on by the Rebellion. Jay White gets the hot tag, and he delivers European uppercuts all over the place. The Rebellion's set up in all four corners. He goes around, hits everybody with those goddamn European uppercuts. (laughs) Uh, So they're three finishes. Uh, Jay White gets hit with three different finishers by the Rebellion, but the machine guns come up with the save. Shane Taylor hits a second rope splash, but there is a kick out. Actually, Jay White German suplexes Shane Taylor, which was a, a feat in itself. And Search and Destroy ends up taking over, hit him with everything. There is a modified uh, shooting star press. He kind of landed on the knees there. Gresham did. Then everybody in submission, Search and Destroy did. The Rebellion in submission holds all over the place. Uh, But the one that counts is Jonathan Gresham and Rhett Titus. Rhett Titus taps out to the octopus. So the Rebellion must break up as a team in Ring of Honor. And just when you thought it was all over, Punishment Martinez runs in. Lays out Jay White to, uh, you know, keep a little heat there with Punishment Martinez and Jay White. Punishment Martinez, Brian, a very impressive looking individual. Yeah, yeah. Very tall, very, you know, great shape and, and somebody who Ring of Honor is really behind. Um, if you pay attention at all to their to their TV and their website, they're doing lots of things with, uh, with uh, Punishment Martinez. So somebody who I think you, you definitely want to keep an eye on when it comes to Ring of Honor. And the visual, when I was there on Saturday, he uh, wrestled uh, Jonathan Gresham, who we were just talking about in this match. And just the visual, the size difference of these two gentlemen was obscene. It was comical almost. And uh, so you'll see that upcoming on Ring of Honor Television. I believe a product of the Monster Factory punishment. Oh, really? Yes. I know a lot of uh, the guys here in New England like to go down to the Monster Factory to work out. And the Monster Factory puts on shows of their own. So I know guys like... Uh, Mikey Webb, who we saw in a, a short cameo appearance <laughs> on a future episode of Ring of Honor Television. I know that uh, he's going down there and doing stuff. A lot of New England guys uh, go down there and participate as far as the Monster Factory is concerned. And they've uh, done a lot of great things down there. Yeah, they sure. I mean, the, the legendary reputation of that uh, that school has obviously changed ownership. But kind of, a, yeah, another one of those kind of historic training facilities that have developed uh, several people who have gone on to be superstars so 
Yeah, it's really one of the first well-known wrestling schools in the country. It was that, and then it was Killer Kowalski's. Really, were the big ones when you know in the early, early '80s. I think when it was when the Monster Factory with uh, Larry Sharp came into being. Uh, okay, from there, Brian, it was a grudge match. Silas Young with uh, your sworn enemy, the Beer City Bruiser, <laughs> versus Jay Lethal, who they're calling the franchise of Ring of Honor now, and then Todd Sinclair. Your referee. And I just have to say, Brian, you know, your grudge with the bruiser aside, I kind of wish I had the confidence of a guy like the Beer City Bruiser. <laughs> the guy doesn't have a match. He has nothing going on this pay-per-view. Still walking around in his underwear. <laughs> I, I always love this thing where these guys don't have matches, they're not wrestling, and they're just walking around in their ring gear. But obviously, obviously, him and Silas had an evil plan here, so that's why he needed to be ready for combat. I guess so. Yeah, bad intentions. I guess a little foreshadowing there. There you um, go from the from the Beer City Bruiser. <laughs> so uh, Jay Lethal actually comes in from the crowd in this match. Everyone's looking to the uh, to the curtain for Lethal to come out, but he comes out from the crowd and kind of waylays <laughs> the Beer City Bruiser with a chair. It's funny. I was down like to like the to the. If you're looking at the entrance, I was down like to the left of the entrance watching this one. And I was. W- oh, looking. I know, I know, Brian. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> yeah, you piece of garbage. Um, <laughs> but we, <laughs> I was uh, watching the entrance, of course, when Jay Lethal's music hit, and then I just heard. I didn't see anything. All I heard was just a a loud like flap. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and the. Uh... The BCB, the Bear City Bruiser, was taken to the back. So he wasn't out there for this match. But as you alluded to, Brian, he did make his way back out there afterwards. And the first three minutes of this match, Todd Sinclair, he let anything go because he was busy trying to get rid of all the streamers. Todd is very diligent when it comes to streamer maintenance. (laughs) As soon as those streamers are out there, he's ripping them, he's kicking them, he's pushing them around, he's trying to get them out of the ring. So these guys could have gotten away with everything. There could have been like 50 nut shots right there, and Todd wouldn't have been able to do a thing because he was so focused, he was so obsessed with getting these streamers out of the ring. Well, you can't very well have a match with streamers in the ring, Mike. Sure you can. Why not? Uh, that, well, that 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 is, yeah, is a difference between somebody like Todd is a true master of his craft and somebody like yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so this thing was a fight from the start, of course. There's a grudge match because Silas tried to take food out of Jay Lethal's mouth. He tried to uh, break his leg. He tried to break his knee and take away his sponsorships. Uh, of course, Lethal does many commercials for Ring of Honor Television. So the story behind this match is that Silas tried to injure his knee and so he wouldn't be able to do his commercials for his you know for the knee uh I don't even know what the gimmick is, but it's some sort of knee brace that he does commercials for, and Silas attempted to take that away from him. So that's uh, you don't come between a man and his money, as uh, we're going to find out here with uh, with Jay Lethal. So of course, as I said, a fight from the start. There is a suplex off the barricade by Lethal. They both were on the barricade, and he suplexed him off, and he goes for the macho elbow off the barricade and misses. And then Lethal attempts to be a comeback, he, but he, then he misses that double jump drop kick, the old Chris Jericho drop kick. And then Silas kind of takes over, working on the core of Jay Lethal. One point, Lethal kicks out, and Silas says, Come on, Todd! <laughs> <laughs> I just like that because of our friend Todd Sinclair. Come on, Todd! 
So uh, there was an abdominal stretch working on that core, and Lethal hip-tossed out and started a comeback. Lethal was going for the multiple dives to the floor, and on the second time he did it, Silas came up with a chair. So Lethal went right into the chair, and of course Silas took a brunt of the chair as well. So they both were down on the floor, double down, and they get into the ring at the count of 18. So both guys get back in the ring finally. They're kind of coming to blows back and forth. Both guys get their finishers countered. Lethal hits the macho elbow, kick out. He goes for the figure four, but a small packaged kick out. Then Silas Young hits the figure four. Then Silas Young, a, a real man's man, a um, down and dirty, uh, nose to the grindstone uh, wrestler, he did a a non-split leg moonsault. And he does this stuff from time to time where he, you know, he saves it for special opportunities. I'm not going to put the guy down, but he saves it for uh, special moments when he, you know, puts out something a little more spectacular. And Oh, so he just doesn't whore out everything he can do every single match? <laughs> That, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so he does this this moonsault. Lethal kicks out, and then Silas goes and grabs the keg, which is still at ringside. Beer City Brews are left it out there after he got waylaid. So he grabs the keg, puts Lethal's head on top of it, and goes to the apron. And Todd Sinclair, our friend, our hero, goes to stop him, and Silas pushes him down to the canvas. But you you probably would have let it go, right, Mike? Probably. Why not? <laughs> let, these, let, these guys, let these guys do what they have to do. Uh, so, uh, so basically, when you're a ref, you don't really want to have to do anything but count to three. Exactly. Exactly. Just uh, you know, stay out of the way and count to three, right? <laughs> exactly. That's your usual instructions for a referee. <laughs> so uh, there's a, a jackknife pin after this by Silas, and it gets reversed by Lethal, and Todd is there, makes the three count. Jay Lethal wins the match. Wins the battle, but in the end, he loses the war because Silas hits him immediately after the pin is made. The Bear City Bruiser returns. That keg is used when Silas hits a TKO right onto the keg. The you know the core, obviously, the abdominals, which has been worked the whole match, is uh, nailed right onto that keg. Multiple avalanches in the corner. They wedge the keg into the corner. Lethal was... Pulled in there by Silas Young and Beer City Bruiser had multiple avalanches. Then Silas and Bruiser hit the floor. They grabbed a table and the Bruiser came off the post onto the table on the floor. A big frog splash on to Lethal. And so Lethal is laid out. Silas Young, Beer City Bruiser, standing tall, very happy with themselves. They lost the match. They ended up uh, winning the war here against Jay Lethal, and that program will continue. Yeah, it was just the freaking frog splash to the outside was absolutely devastating. Just unbelievable. (laughs) That was a big splash. The definition, the very definition of a big (laughs) splash. Yeah, Beer City Bruiser goes about, you know, probably 310, 320 pounds, somewhere somewhere in that neighborhood. So, uh, Brian, before we go to the next match, this is where the Malonis cameo came in. Ugh. As, as Jay Lethal was being taken to the back, of course, standing by the stage at the door is one kingpin with his eyes fixated on his phone. As they bring bring Jay Lethal to the back. <laughs> yes, I was uh, being texted at that moment uh, from people who who had noticed me standing down there, who were in attendance. <laughs> 
Oh boy. <laughs> so yeah. So there you were, and then you, I'm sure after that uh, appearance, you probably scurried to the back. Is that correct? No, I watched most of the rest of the pay per view from the same spot. Okay. All right. Wow, look at you. I wasn't on it. I mean, there was nothing wrong with me watching it there. There were a couple guys who were on the show earlier who were, wa- <laughs> who were watching it from over there. So, All right. Well, you made your special appearance. And from there, it is the World Six-Man Tag Team Championships of Ring of Honor. Dalton Castle and his boys against Jay and Mark Briscoe and Bully Ray. Your referee is Paul Turner. So the story of this match was Jay Briscoe really wants to get at the boys because they kind of cost him a match recently uh, with Bushi and Evil. Bushi uh, missed Jay Briscoe in the face, basically thanks to the boys. So Jay Briscoe's whole thing is he wants to get at the boys. That's kind of the story of the match. Dalton is trying to keep Jay from getting to the boys. Dalton Castle, of course, over like a million bucks everywhere he goes. And it seems like Dalton Castle is going to stick around here a while in Ring of Honor. And uh, uh, the rumors that he signed a new deal, I'm not sure that is 100% confirmed, but Dalton Castle uh, looks like a be around, especially because in this match, they win the six-man tag team championships. Dalton Castle and the boys, your new world six-man tag team champions. But there are lots of stuff that went down in this match. Uh, lots of peacock poses and <laughs> by Dalton and by Bully Ray, in fact. <laughs> yes. And uh, Bully did the old uh, Bubba dance, which <laughs> kind of got the crowd on their, on their feet. I'm sure the Playboy really enjoyed that as well. I'm sure he did. <laughs> Do you approve of this uh, big guy dancing spot, Brian? I know you're, you're really down on uh, big men dancing. Just when it's mocking the big guys, Mike, and this wasn't mocking them. This was, I, I thought it was a, a really entertaining sequence with the peacock poses and the dancing and the crowd just erupting uh, over this. There's a difference between something like this, so it's thought out and is entertaining, and, and something just making fun of somebody. I got you there. Okay, Brian, I'll get off that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so the, the boys are down at one point, and Bully finally tags in Jay Briscoe. He's going to get him. He's seething. He's ready. He's stalking them. He turns to stalk one of the boys, and the other one kicks him low in the ding-ding. As uh, B.J. Whitmer says, he, they're really into this in the ding-ding. They talk about this later on as well. I don't know what the, if there's some sort of inside joke, but in the ding-ding was, was a big thing on the, uh, on the pay-per-view, Brian. You love ding-dings, Mike. Who doesn't? I like ding-dongs, too. Those are good. They're yummy. Uh, so Filled, filled with cream? Of course. Of they co- are. Of course. They certainly are. Uh, there's a was up, which, uh, you know, <laughs> we're, keep, we're keeping that alive, too. <laughs> I don't think most of the people in the audience who are doing it with them even know what the hell it's referencing. Yes, it's referencing a, a advertisement from, what is the late 90s at this point? <laughs> I'm not even sure it was the late 90s. It might have been <laughs> earlier than that. But, uh, yeah, they're, uh, they've made it their own, Brian. They've made it their own. Bully, Bully Ray has, I should say. What's old will be new again, right, Mike? Exactly. So they go to get the table, but as they're doing that, they don't even get to do that. Jay Briscoe kind of zooms right past them, dives through the ropes onto both of the boys. Jay tosses a chair at one of the boys. He misses. The boys start to book it to the back. Bully and Jay chase them in the ring. Dalton Castle, Mark Briscoe. Dalton hits a small package, pins Mark Briscoe, 
and your new six-man tag team champions, Dalton Castle and the boys, Ian Riccoboni and BJ Whitmer. They're really putting over the fact that this is a huge upset. Uh, Dalton Castle and the boys are your new world six-man tag team champions. A good story here, Brian, and they really kind of told it well. Yeah, the finishing sequence, again, especially with everybody distracted and the the small package happening, and the place just erupted when, when they won as well. So I thought it was well executed by, by all parties. And we go to the World Television Championship, the challenger Marty Skrull, who had recently lost to Kushida, who is the new World TV Champion. Todd Sinclair, your referee for this championship match. I want to give a brief shout-out here, Brian, to the streamer collectors. I think Todd Sinclair taught them all they know, but they do their job very well, uh, running in the ring, leaping in the ring, grabbing all those streamers, pulling them out as quickly as they can. <laughs> They're the unsung heroes of the Ring of Honor locker room, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> if, you, if you say so, buddy. <laughs> I just want to see. Uh, I know you're the, you're hanging out there after the show sometimes. How how does it look underneath the ring with all those streamers when they finally uh, you know, <laughs> take the ring down? Is it just like a, a 10-foot pile of streamers? Yeah, there's a ton of them, and you know, you know, the funny thing is, I feel like with the way pro wrestling in the U.S. is, I was having this conversation with somebody, I forget who it was, but the, the whoever, whatever the company is that makes the streamers, is probably like grown leaps and bounds in the last like 18 months or so, and they probably have no idea why. Like, why are people buying so many streamers? <laughs> I think they even sell them at the uh, the Ring of Honor Pro Shop. Oh, is that true? I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's really a, a great visual. Uh, it's kind of unique to Ring of Honor, just the, the streamers thing, and it really looks uh, fantastic on television. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, lots of unique mat work early on here with Marty Skrull and Kushida. They go back and forth. The two finishing maneuvers, the two submission maneuvers of the hoverboard lock from Kushida and the chicken wing from Marty Skrull. So they tease those an awful no, come lot. On. You, you, you didn't do that justice, Mike. Par- pardon? You didn't do it justice. Uh, okay, you uh, teach me. <laughs> what, what, how Marty Skrull does it. Chicken wing. You got to yell it, Mike. You, I, I, chicken wing. Is that there you goes? go. Thank you. All right, I'm sorry. How about, I, a little, how about a little energy and entertainment out of you for this podcast? What? I feel like you're mailing it in. Oh, you get out of here. You friggin' prick. All right. So uh, also there, the inside cradle bomb, which is how Kushida won the television championship. That's teased an awful lot as well. So Marty... You also failed to mention Kushida, the good friend of the Playboy. Kushida, the, the best friend of the Playboy, as far as, uh, <laughs> yes. as, far as I'm told. So he, I, he was standing on his chair on the, in the front row. And, uh, you know, three or four people behind him couldn't see. But The Playboy was like you on Friday night, absent. Oh, really? Yeah, he watched from home, just like you. The, oh, a great spot. I want to make sure I mention here. Kushida does the, you know, the, does the handstand into the ropes and bounces back looking for an elbow. Marty Skrull catches him perfectly in a backslide. It was like perfectly timed. He was perfectly positioned. And that was, it was a simple move, but that just really caught me like, wow, that was perfectly, perfectly done. Not a stutter step, nothing. It looked absolutely perfect. Yeah, just a really, really creative transition to that. And just, yeah, super creative, super smooth, executed unbelievably. Both these guys, obviously, just phenomenal athletes. 
Yeah, so the chicken wing and the hoverboard continue to be teased, multiple reversals. At one point, Marty cinches in the chicken wing, but uh, Kushida doesn't tap. He ends up floating into a pin, and Kushida kicks out. So then Marty Skrull rips at the fingers of Kushida, ties up his arms, kind of in his legs, strangely. And we, so Marty's hands are free. He's just kind of hanging out there with his legs tied up in Kushida's arms. And Kushida is almost ready to submit, but finally gets to the ropes. Then the battle moves to the top rope. Brian, uh, Marty grabs Kushida's fingers again, looking to break more of them. But then Kushida reverses. He grabs Marty Skrull's fingers, rips his fingers apart. So now Marty's fingers are broken as well. He hits the inside cradle bomb, also known as the Back to the Future, off the top rope. Couldn't hook the pin, so he hits it one more time on the canvas, for the three count, Kushida retains the television championship over Marty Skrull. A excellent matchup here, Brian. I know when I talked to Jason of the New Age Insiders, he said this is the one. If you're watching one match on this show, this is the one to watch. Yeah, I agree. It was my favorite match of the night. Just uh, I didn't really tweet a whole bunch during the show, but I definitely sent out a tweet after this one. I, I thought the match was outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Best match of the night and uh, probably the best match of the weekend. Uh, just incredible match. These two guys, I'd like to watch them wrestle again. They, they can just keep putting them together as far as I'm concerned. Are you saying fight forever? Clap, 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 no, clap, clap. No, not fight forever, but okay. I definitely I definitely could, uh, could go for a mat, another match or two from them. <laughs> All right. We'll move on now to the ROH World Tag Team Championships. War Machine, Roe and Hanson challenge the Young Bucks. Matt and Nick Jackson for the ROH World Tag Team titles. But or wait! Did they? But wait, <laughs> Brian. As Bobby Cruz, wait, there's more. <laughs> yes, as Bobby Cruz begins his announcement, best friends cut him off. That is Trent Beretta and Chucky e. T, a.k.a. Chuck Taylor. They want to be added to this match. They beat the Young Bucks in a recent match, and they asked to be added to this match and to make it a Tornado Tag Team match. And the Young Bucks say... Why the hell not? So it is now a three-way match with War Machine, the Young Bucks, and Chucky e. T and Trent, best friends. So they everybody gets a chance to showcase their stuff from the start. Best friends do a little something. Then War Machine does a little something. The Young Bucks get their turn. There ends up being like a dive party, basically. If you got super cake party, a <laughs> dive party. Everyone does their dives all over the place. How do you call this match? How do you call a match like this? And and uh, Ian Riccoboni and uh, BJ Whitmer kind of said something basically to this effect. It's really hard to, to follow this uh, match, Brian. They're just like fireworks all over the place with this thing. Yeah, and it went for a while, and it still felt like a sprint. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I know there are probably about two hours and 50 minutes into the show at this point. So maybe maybe they had some time cut. I'm not sure. But yeah, there was a, a whole bunch of stuff going on here. Uh, there was a moonsault by Matt Jackson to the floor. Chucky e. T then <laughs> that, that big he was on the stage. Chucky e. T, he ran off the stage, kind of jumped out over the stairs with a big forward flip. They called it the Kentucky Cannonball on the broadcast onto a pile of guys. And then from there, our friend Hanson did the big front flip off the post onto everyone on the floor. There is a part of the match where everyone traded moonsaults and everyone missed moonsaults. And then Hansen attempts to do a moonsault of his own, but gets stopped. He gets caught and German suplexed off the top rope. And that couldn't have been uh, fun for one Warbeard Hansen. He took the big like backflip, landed on his stomach with that. 
yeah, it didn't it didn't look uh, it didn't look fun. But uh, there was a super kick party, of course. And uh, remind you here, we're going to be giving away a super kick party part two DVD coming up here on the podcast. But uh, the Bucks hitting everyone once with super kicks, and then best friends get in on it too. They start hitting super kicks on everyone and everyone in the ring kind of collapses at once. Just, just, you know, dominoes falling down in the ring and the crowd really loved that. Uh, War Machine then uh, got some of their stuff in. There was a doomsday device German suplex kind of combo deal off the apron, which is one of their new moves, which was, you know, kind of devastating to do that onto the floor. The pop-up power slam that they've... uh, been showing off recently was done in the ring then they hit their finish the fallout but chucky t was there to make the save the young bucks go for the melter driver from there but then chucky hits the awful waffle which was (laughs) some sort of pile driver uh modified version and one two hansen pulls paul turner out of the ring tisk tisk warby and hansen i don't like that paul turner should have been an automatic disqualification but actually, it is a Tornado Tag Team match, so I guess anything goes. So, <laughs> oh, your inconsistencies are just <laughs> mind-boggling, Mike. So from there, Roe and Hanson have best friends kind of on their shoulders in a power slam position, and the Bucks super kick them in the face. So then their days still holding uh, the best friends on their shoulders. Matt launches Nick over his head, and he hits a double indie taker. Using, you know, Rowan Hansen having them on their shoulders. So basically, double seated pile drivers. Nick kind of spikes them into the mat. From there, War Machine gets super kicks in the face and then a double pin from the Young Bucks onto Chucky T. Young Bucks get the three count, win the match, retain the World Tag Team Championships. I think I was able to kind of say what happened here in this match but it was really hard to follow with everything that was going on and the crowd really loved every minute of this one yeah there was there was a lot and it was crazy and it was meant to be that way and finally kingpin it is your main event of the evening ring of honor world heavyweight championship the american nightmare cody not Rhodes, challenges the almighty Christopher Daniels for the championship. And the big story here, Brian, is that Cody Rhodes is a free agent. He's unsigned by Ring of Honor, unsigned by any major company, and ROH really doesn't want Cody to win the championship because, you know, he could just leave with the title and take it anywhere he wants to. They cannot control this man because he is not under contract with them. So that's kind of the whole the whole story here. Hey, just like me. <laughs> <laughs> but the difference is, you know, if they gave you a contract, you'd, uh, you'd leap, right? <laughs> How high, right? <laughs> so uh, really early on, Cody Rhodes got his lip split. And I watched this back a couple of times trying to figure out where. It might have been on a, a shoulder tackle. Maybe they bonked heads there. D- do you know how this happened? Uh, I, I really don't. I, I, you know, I didn't even know. I, I didn't even, because I, I don't know, maybe it was just from the distance I was watching. But I didn't even know that anything that happened to his lip until I saw on social media afterwards that he had went to the hospital. Yes, he went to the Lowell General Hospital right down the street here. Actually, he's right on the end of the street where the building is, so he could probably walk there if he wanted to. Yeah, Cody ended up getting a few stitches in his lip. And really early on, it was, I don't, like, as I said, I don't know really what it was. There was nothing uh, particularly evident of him 
getting busted open, but he did, and he worked the entire match with this little uh, split in his lip, and it was a it was a fantastic match, of course. Um, Cody Early was uh, kind of going into the crowd and kind of avoiding getting in there and you know hooking up with Daniels. Uh, a lot of middle fingers in the show, Brian, which I wasn't expecting from Ring of Honor. I saw we saw them from <laughs> Marty Skrull earlier on, and Cody Rhodes here flipped off a guy that tried to uh, get the too sweet from him. Um, the 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 fellow in the Ink Sanity shirt, who was maybe the unsung hero of the night of, on that pay per view, and the following night as well, he was all over the place. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> so he got his moment in the sun as he got dissed by. Uh, by the American Nightmare. Um, <laughs> Try, trying to give him a too sweet. <laughs> trying to give him a too sweet, and he got a F you, right? Uh, the top rope arm drag from Cody was really impressive. He kind of leaps up to that top rope next to Daniels, who was you know, perched up there ready to do something, and Cody arm drags him off the top rope. Uh, he did that the following night as well. Uh, you know, modified spoiler alert. But anyway, at one point, uh, Cody Rhodes grabs Carrie Silken on the floor. Carrie, of course, was the original owner of ROH and is now the ambassador now that Sinclair owns the company. And Ian Ruckabani was aghast. <laughs> the, the most emotional he got all evening. Ian uh, said, you piece of trash. He called, he called Cody. He called Cody a despicable piece of scum for wow. uh, putting his hands on Carrie Silken. But I, uh, I, I didn't obviously get the commentary, so uh, news to me. He was very fired up about this uh, this slight to the ambassador of ROH, <laughs> and uh, so at one point Daniels uh, goes behind Cody. They go for an O'Connor roll, and they ram into our friend Todd Sinclair in the corner. And Todd kind of uh, you know is a little woozy, and then they do it a second time to knock Sinclair to the mat. So of course, there's no ref when the O'Connor roll finally comes, and from there, Cody Rhodes. Him in the ding ding, <laughs> and BJ Whitmer couldn't have been happier to call that. <laughs> so uh, Cody Rhodes uh, tries to follow up, and Christopher Daniels hits a small package, and nothing again. No referee. So Marty Skrull, of course, fellow Bullet Club member, comes to ringside with a chair. Christopher Daniels gets the chair. They do the Eddie Guerrero spot, Brian. Daniels slaps the chair on the mat, then tosses it to Cody. Todd Sinclair comes to, turns around, sees the situation, but he doesn't call it, Brian. He's not going to fall for those kind of games, Todd Sinclair. No, he's a great referee. You probably would have rang the bell. I think I have before, yes. (laughs) There was a spot that was booked by Todd Sinclair. Oh, boy. (laughs) So, yes, Todd Sinclair doesn't call for a DQ. There's a roll-up from there, a kick-out, and then Cody Rhodes, Diamond Cutters, Christopher Daniels, onto that chair. Again, no DQ called by Ring of Honor senior official Todd Sinclair. He wants these two to fight it out to the end to get a true world champion crowned. So, Skrull's on the apron. Frankie Kazarian comes down. Pulls them out, and they brawl out. You love brawling out, Brian. That's one of your favorite spots in a wrestling match, when two guys brawl out. Uh, that's inside, a little inside baseball there for the folks. <laughs> but uh, Cody Rhodes ends up setting up a table on the floor, but Daniels cuts him off with a flat liner on the apron. They go back in the ring for a little bit. There's a blue thunder bomb, and then Cody at one point hits the Rainmaker. 
which of course is Okada's finish, the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. And of course, Cody will be facing Okada coming up in Long Beach when uh, New Japan comes to the U.S. So he hits the kind of the Rainmaker. He hits the Rainmaker pose kind of as a nod to Okada there. And then from there, they end up back on the apron and Christopher Daniels hits a belly-to-back suplex from the apron through the table. Both of them laid out on the mat, on the floor. Todd Sinclair begins the count, the 20-count Ring of Honor, mind you, and they get to 19. They do the photo finish where they race in. Actually, Cody gets in first and Daniels is the one that races in at a count of 19 to finally make it in. BJ Wimmer actually acknowledges here that, hey, Daniels should have just taken the count out. He wouldn't have lost the championship. He would have uh, lost the match, but not the title. And, you know, Ian Recaboni said, you know, he just a fighting champion. He just wants to uh, win the match the old-fashioned way. He wants to get that pin. Hey, question, Mike. On, on the broadcast, did they show the second ref run down during this? No. There was ah. a second ref? Yeah, live. Another referee ran down to check on the, the, two, the two guys and then ran to the back. That, and it's possible that that happened, but I didn't remember. I don't remember seeing that on the broadcast itself. But uh, yeah, Todd was the referee of, uh, of record the entire time, as far as I know. Okay, so from there, I don't know where Cody Rhodes got water. I missed that uh, little moment there, but he spits water in the face of Daniels and hits the crossroads. His finishing maneuver. One, two, Kick out by Christopher Daniels. Unbelievable. And from there, Daniels is up. Goes for the best moonsault ever. It gets avoided. He goes for the Angels' wings. And Cody Harkaran is out of the attempt. And he goes for the disaster kick. Misses Christopher Daniels. O'Connor roll. But Cody rolls through. Hooks him. Hits the crossroads one more time. Three count. Three count, your new champion, your new Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion is the American Nightmare, Cody. And, of course, Carrie Silken, they had the little uh, interchange earlier in the match. He reluctantly presents the championship to Cody. The Bullet Club celebrates. Cody Rhodes is obviously emotional. I know he was talking about on social media how a Rhodes hasn't won a world championship in some 30 years. And I, I think he felt that connection there as he wins his first world championship here for Ring of Honor. Yeah, pretty pretty awesome stuff. The crowd went. The crowd was just heavy, heavy, heavy for Cody the entire night, um, booing Daniels, chanting some some derogatory stuff at him. The Lowell crowd really wanted to see Cody Rhodes win the win the world championship. They're counting along with the final pinfall. The crowd really loved this. And if I was Christopher Daniels, I don't know. I might. Uh... Might hold that against the fans. Might take offense to it. I, I might, but yes. it cut off pretty quick after the after the completion of the match, right? Yes, Cody did a speech afterwards. He did, yeah. The Bullet Club came out and uh, yeah, and, they, and he did he did a speech, um, which actually, if you go to the Ring of Honor Instagram, there's a backstage video with Cody Rhodes, and it's it's actually a very similar uh, very similar promo. So. Oh, cool. All right. Make sure you go check out Ring of Honor on Instagram. And make sure you check out this pay-per-view. You can order it as I did from the Fight TV app. Ooh. Yeah, you can find that on the Fight TV app, Ring of Honor uh, Wrestling, ROHWrestling.com. You can also find the replay of Best in the World 2017. A pretty damn good show overall. And you agree, I'm sure, Kingpin, because you couldn't basically say otherwise. (laughs) 
Well, I mean, I can concede that, I, like I said, I'm a little biased, but uh, it, it was a damn good pay-per-view. I, I, I thought there were some, some really good matches on there. I think, you know, the television title match was something. The moment with Cody Rhodes becoming the Ring of Honor World Champion, the three-way tornado tag team title match, uh, had a lot of cool things happen in it. The Silas Young and Jay Lethal match, and then the angle afterwards. So just, just really well put together show, and uh, a lot of fun. And yeah, if if you're uh, a wrestling fan, a Ring of Honor fan, I, I recommend checking it out because it was a really fun, really really entertaining show. And of course, stay tuned to ROHWrestling.com and your local Sinclair affiliate for ROH TV going forward. You will see the Kingpin in the upcoming weeks, possibly around July 22nd. We will update you when we know more about the placement of the Kingpin's big match, which took place this past Saturday night in Lowell. Yeah, and... and, and, uh... I, I don't know. Maybe you were looking for the, for this out of me in the beginning, and I didn't play along. I, I, I don't know, but maybe I should read the format sheet once in a while. Yes. <laughs> that would help. But uh, just, I mean, personally for me, just an incredible weekend. Like I said, I got to just hang out and watch some great wrestling on Friday night, but to be part of it, to be part of the Ring of Honor locker room, to perform on a national stage um, so close to home um, in a city where I've probably had the most matches of my career in, uh, Lowell. Yep. Um, with all the years that that you know we wrestled there at the, the PAV, and to be just down the street and perform on a national stage, uh, with so many friends and family in attendance, with my daughter sitting there right front row, you know, um, just awesome, man, awesome. I, I can't fully describe it with words. And, and then to um, to know that you know I've probably earned myself some future opportunities here. It feels great, man. It feels really great, and I, and I can't wait till I'm. Uh, I'm back in in that in that Ring of Honor locker room around those guys because, you know, it's funny we talked a lot on on some previous episodes about our experiences with yeah. trying to make it and and the stuff with WWE and and I and I will say the big difference when you go and you're you take part of uh, uh, things in Ring of Honor even if you're not one of the key players yet you're not made to feel. Anything less than a valuable member of the team, somebody who's genuinely wanted there, and um, I just can't say enough good things about uh, being in that locker room and being around those guys, and you know, being a part of uh, Ring of Honor right now, and and hopefully a bigger part going forward. So I just can't say enough enough good things, and I can't express enough enough gratitude for the opportunities, um, you know, that they continue to give me. Yeah, really uh, happy for you that this journey is continuing here with Ring of Honor. And one step closer to having Brian Fury as the new co-host of the wrestling podcast about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see, Mike. Uh, I, I wouldn't go putting the uh, the cart before the horse here, buddy. <laughs> All right. Well, well let's, let's hope not, Brian. We're probably still some time away from even having to think about that. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, uh, we want to hear about your experiences. If you were there in Lowell to watch Ring of Honor's Best in the World, to watch the TV tapings, let us know. Uh, we do something called Merv Griffin Time every week. That's a talkback segment where we interact with you, the listener. So tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your take on Ring of Honor and this week's episode, your thoughts on the Best in the World pay-per-view and all that stuff that happened this past weekend in Lowell. Use the hashtag WPAN. We'll mention you and your tweets later this week because every Thursday it's an all-new, 
all different episode of the wrestling podcast about nothing on BDA Radio. Of course, we're giving you more of what you love in that podcast. You can vote on what we discuss each and every week. Plus, this Thursday, the Dirt Sheet Shuffle returns. Let's see if you can keep your lovely streak intact. And we have a lot more surprises coming up in terms of our Thursday podcast. Plus, you can download past episodes of this podcast. As they come off the NAI Network feed, they get added over there on BDA Radio. It is all on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing feed on your favorite podcast platform or at BDARadio.com. But that's the other show, a way you can interact with us right here on the NAI Network. Every week is through our voicemail line. Okay, we want to hear from you guys. Get your voicemails in. We will play them on the podcast. Call 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. And a couple of people, Brian, did so this week. We have a couple of voicemails to get to. So let's All take right. a listen to voicemail number one. Steven from New Hampshire. Hey, guys. Hey, Crockett. Hey, uh, Brian. It's... Uh Triple H guy 2004. Uh, just want to thank you with from you know the bottom of my heart the, for the podcast for the past two weeks on uh, Mofo Steve Bradley. Um, it's amazing, like you guys said on the show, it's amazing the lineage that is with Mofo, and uh, just want to say. Uh, the show was great. The, we we laughed, we cried, we uh, we had an emotional time, and uh, thank you for these two shows, and thank you for the podcast and everything you guys do. Wow, thank you, Stephen. Uh, after um, you know, greeting me this past Saturday night by saying, "Oh, she let you out of your cage." Uh, <laughs> it was uh, great to actually uh, have Stephen a little. Um, a little more subdued here on the uh, podcast. Yeah, and th- thanks for uh, being a great supporter, Stephen, and uh, really yes. glad you you and you enjoyed uh, these last two weeks. And uh, it's good to hear that so many people enjoyed you know these two episodes, and because I know I know we we certainly did uh, enjoy recording them. Yeah, we definitely did, and uh, of course, more people should know about a guy like Steve Bradley. And he was mentioned this past week on the ENC Pod of Awesomeness, Edge and Christian show, when they talked to Mike Bennett, aka Mike Canellis, and that was great to hear as well. Um, yeah, so the word is getting out about Steve Bradley, and we want to keep his name alive and out there, and because he did so much for so many of uh, our friends that we know here in the New England area. All right, let's move on to our second voicemail here on the podcast. Hey, Scott Sokol here, and I just got to applaud you guys on the whole uh, two-part Steve Bradley podcast. I just got done listening to it, and in my opinion, it's the best podcast you guys have ever done. Uh, I was fortunate enough when I was younger in my uh, formative years, when I was about 19 or 20, to go to the top row pro wrestling academy for about I don't know, six or seven months, give or take. And uh, I got to tell you, Fury was right. Steve had that intimidating presence about him. But at the same time, like, you know, I remember I got down, you know, a couple times about my progress. And he was always encouraging and encouraging me to stick with it because of my size and my passion for it. Uh, and <laughs> one quick story I, I have to share. Uh, it's a little bit too long for Twitter. Uh, one day we were having a match in practice. I think it was me and Al or some permutation of that, maybe a tag match. 
Uh, and somehow we ended up on the outside of the ring. And, you know, I'm, you know, four or five months in at this point. I, I don't know my ass or my elbow. Some would argue maybe I still don't. <laughs> but anyways, um, we're on the outside of the ring, and I'm thinking nothing. Just throw out right into the post. And, you know, he sells for maybe a second or two, and then he just pops right up and deadpans. Why the fuck are you throwing me into the post? And, you know, proceeds to tell me all the reasons why I shouldn't have done that and everything like that. And it just always is a funny story that stuck out to me. And Al is awesome, uh, one of the best in New England. I wish he was still wrestling so I could book him for Liberty State. Uh, but alas. And uh, actually, one more thing before I leave. I would actually uh, like to propose a challenge from the, uh, from the very first part of the podcast. Who could do a faster run-in, Alex Arion or Brian Fury? Just a thought. Thanks, guys. Have a good day, and congrats on the podcast. You guys are awesome. Take care. So who do you think would do a faster run-in, Brian? Brian Fury or Alex Arion? <laughs> These days, I don't know if either one of them could do a fast run-in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably correct. I think you would do a faster run-in than them both. I don't know. Uh, Let's not get crazy here. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, thank you, Todd Sopel. There was a little crackling there at the beginning of his call. Todd Sopel, of course, he runs Liberty States Wrestling and a listener that uh, we really appreciate to have. I didn't know he went to the uh, Topro Pro Wrestling Academy, Brian. Yes, yes, he did. I was, I was aware of that. Okay, so uh, thank you very much, Todd, for your anecdotes regarding uh, working with uh, Steve Bradley and Alex Arion and all that stuff. I really appreciate everyone's stories about Steve. Um, it's really a great thing to come out of this podcast to hear more stories that I wasn't aware of when it comes to guys like Steve Bradley. So a great thing that uh, we had a small part in, in, in helping get out there, uh, just the word about a guy like the mofo, Steve Bradley. Uh, thank you very much to everyone, Stephen and Todd, for your voicemails. And we really want to hear from you out there listening right now. Become a part of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. The number, once again, 401-584-9726. 401-584-WPAN. Okay, Brian, I really didn't think we'd be going this long talking about the pay-per-view, but we have. So let's get right to this week's promo about nothing but before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsor. People ask me, what do you mean, BDARadio.com? What does the BDA stand for? Bobby debuts in NXT? Well, no, it certainly doesn't because that abbreviation doesn't even work, Brian. <laughs> you didn't even call me out on it. I appreciate it for uh, <laughs> you not even my brain's, me for that. my brain's half a step slow to this today. <laughs> but, uh, you know, either way, spoiler alert... Bobby Fish appeared at Full Sail University this past week, and who knows who else we could see in the future, Brian, for NXT. But while on BDA Radio, you can see the most unique commentary on mixed martial arts and pro wrestling on the internet. They don't break news, they break the news with their wild commentary regarding MMA and wrestling. Head over to BDARadio.com and check out all the latest news on UFC, Bellator, WWE, and much more. Fish through the most hard-hitting content in the universe at BDARadio.com. So, yes, Bobby Fish made his debut for NXT. And, uh, yeah, I guess uh, a lot of things going on in the wrestling world these days, uh, Brian. A lot of people popping up in different places. Yes, yes. Uh, Bobby Fish, I think, a great addition to the uh, NXT roster and, and a big loss for Ring of Honor, I think, there. 
Yes. So uh, let's talk about this week's promo about nothing, Brian. The year 2006. And we're going back. I think we've just done this once before to Combat Zone Wrestling. Oh, boy. There is a world-famous promo that we talked about in the early days of this podcast, basically made famous by Botchamania, where uh, John Zandig said, Jesus! (laughs) (laughs) And uh, everyone's basically probably heard that promo, and we talked about it in the early days of this podcast. But there's another promo, a little-known promo, from Zandig. As I said, 2006, it's Zandig. It's this week's promo about nothing. John Zandig not very happy that DJ Hyde and the blackout took out his very son. And uh, you could tell that he wasn't very happy with all the fucks strewn (laughs) about his language. So what you're saying is he was MFing them? (laughs) He was certainly. uh, He He was letting the expletives fly. Um, so yeah, Zandig just knows how to weave a phrase and just throw in as many fucks as he possibly can. And, uh, yeah, that's, 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 that's CZW. That's John Zandig. Threats of murder. Oh, yes. They're going to fucking die. (laughs) I believe they're all still alive. That's that I, that I can confirm. So he didn't, he didn't, he fell short on, on his threats, but Zandig, you can't blame the guy after they did that to his son. You can't blame him for bleeding all over the place and screaming at paramedics to fix his kid. <laughs> can you imagine working under those conditions? You're trying to help this gentleman out, and you get a, a, a bald man bleeding all over the place, just yelling, fix him! Fix him! <laughs> that, that is the thing. The def- that's a high pressure situation right there, Brian. <laughs> you, you think, Mike? You think it was just a uh, yeah? It was it was something. I don't I don't even know how I don't even know how this is making me feel. This promo, uh, just uh, yeah, something special there. Something very special. He is. He is something very special. And hopefully, maybe we'll see more down the line with our friend Zandig of CZW. You heard this promo about nothing. If you want the full picture, you have to see the full picture. You have to see this guy, uh, Crimson Mask, if you will. Get the link to the video 
in the description of this episode on the New Age Insiders Network. Now, Kingpin, before we get out of here, you're hitting those highways and byways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler, and give me them dates you got. Yeah, Mike, I got I got a bit of a light July coming up here. Oh, really? Yeah, laying low the next couple weeks, uh, but I'll return to action on Friday night, July the 14th, Woburn, Massachusetts, Chaotic Wrestling, match just announced. I will be taking on member of the kingdom, the horror king himself, Ink Sanity, Vinny Marsalia. Uh, I believe this is the first time we've ever uh, done done battle one on one. So first time ever matchup. I think. Put that I on think. the poster. <laughs> but so uh, yeah, looking forward to to taking on Vinny Marcellia at Chaotic Wrestling July the fourteenth. The very next night, July the fifteenth, Mike, I'm heading out to your old stomping grounds, Western Massachusetts, Chicopee, Mass. Pioneer Valley Pro Wrestling. I will be taking on Sexy Jesus himself. Justin the Hammer Tunis, you know, I, I've turned on the closers a couple times now. Uh, hey, maybe they want to make amends if they're listening, if Big Bacon's listening. I think we should talk this out. Maybe we can make amends. Oh, I saw Big Bacon as well on, on Saturday. Yes, Big Bacon was there all weekend. Yes, yeah, so you guys didn't come to blows? Oh, no, he kept his distance from okay, me. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> And then uh, July the 23rd, I will be wrestling at Fenway Park. How about what? that? Yes, there'll be live pro wrestling at the uh, El Mundo Festival at Fenway Park. And uh, there'll be some wrestling in the afternoon there. So uh, come on out to uh, the old ball yard and, and see me wrestle. How about that? That's something else. Yes, that, that is something else. But uh, <laughs> yeah, looking forward to it. Pretty cool. Uh, Pretty cool experience, and like I said, as of right now, uh, a relaxing July. I got a feeling that's probably going to change, though. I I'm, I got a few things cooking, Mike, but we'll see. All right. Well, you'll let us know here on the podcast, and if you want to book the Kingpin up for July, email him, brianmalonis at comcast.net, or hit the DMs on Twitter, at Brian Malonis. And let's talk about the Super Kick Party Part 2 DVD, Brian. We're giving this thing away. I got this on Saturday night. We're going to give it away to a lucky WPAN fan. It has matches from 2014 to 2016 featuring AJ Styles, Gallows and Anderson, War Machine, The Kingdom of Matt Taven, and Mike Bennett, a.k.a. Mike Canellis, Red Dragon, The Briscoes, the team of Jay Lethal and Donovan Dijak, and many, many more on this DVD. The Young Bucks DVD Super Kick Party Part Part two, all you have to do is retweet the pinned post at the top of our Twitter account at the WPAN, the one promoting this episode right here, or you can even double your chances by also sharing the post promoting this episode on Facebook. And of course, we are at the WPAN, facebook.com slash the WPAN on Facebook. That's all you got to do. Retweet that post promoting this episode or share the post promoting this episode on Facebook. We will pick a winner at random. You'll win this brand new hot out of the oven, a Young Bucks ROH DVD Superkick Party Part 2. So make sure you do that. Next week, we'll pick a winner. All right, before we get out of here, book in the territory pro wrestling podcast with Mike Mills. Go to mikemills.podbean.com for the feed, or you can get it anywhere you get your podcasts. And of course, they do those two podcasts a week Sunday, the Smoky Mountain Show, Thursday, the flagship show. Thanks, as always, to Mike Mills. 
And I talked about talking to Chip earlier. His podcast, Check in the Boots with referee Tony S. They are available everywhere you get your podcasts. And they're talking about the history of wrestling. This week, it's going to be Eddie Guerrero. So make sure you take a listen to Check in the Boots with Chip and Tony and the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. Adam and Jason, they're also doing the Rundown Sitdowns. They did one with the Kingpin that you should really check out. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast. And you can find that on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts for our friends at the Rundown Podcast. And, of course, we hope you continue to listen to the NAI Network all week long for DC and Doc Talk, for the Pipe Bomb, for Rant with Ant, for Late Night Liam, Indie Pop, and should I even continue to mention the Inside Perspective? No. I'm losing hope. No. Hope is lost. <laughs> Hope is lost. <laughs> Come on, Scotty Slay. What the hell's going on over there? It's not like you have a kid or something. Anyway, we are back on Thursday with the wrestling podcast about nothing on BDA Radio. Make sure you search WPAN on your favorite podcatcher to find all of our podcasts or go to BDARadio.com for more. Then join us here next Monday for the WPAN on the New Age Insiders Network, episode 63. And till then, he is the Kingpin Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko and thanks for nothing. <laughs>